Hey. Hey there. I'm Claire. And I'm Steph. And this is Word Wrap. Last week on our first episode, we brought you a lot of topics. But this week, we're going to get a little more focused and talk to you about CSS. CSS is one of the fundamental languages of the web, and yet it tends to get a pretty bad rap. <laughs> so coming from a couple of folks who have been working with it for a significant amount of time, we'd like to talk to you about the joys of CSS, but also some other topics that frequently come up in the modern web. Yeah, I think one of those items is, is it really a programming language? And I see this all the time on Twitter. If someone says it's not a programming language or you don't have, you're not a real dev if you say that you write CSS. And, you know, I've never really seen anyone master CSS in a consistent manner. Um, and I, I find that really funny to, one, think about it because programming languages in general are kind of not systematic but they're like they've got documentation and like you you know you've you don't really have to remember everything like for example i don't remember everything that's on an array in javascript um but in css you have to know all of the property types and all of the measurement units you have to know all of the uh like selectors and pseudo selectors you also have to kind of imagine what's going to happen before it hits the page. Yeah. But CSS is really, really, really great to um, write and see your, like, words essentially, you know, written in CSS come to life. Um, and then sometimes not come to life, depending on browser support. Um. <laughs> so we both have a pretty deep background um, in terms of starting on the web and having that start be pretty ruled by Bootstrap. And... So it's interesting to me to see the evolution from Bootstrap, which is still alive and kicking, um, but to other methods that folks are using, things like Tailwind or Cube CSS or their own variation or going full in on a design system solution that maybe uses a particular naming convention like BIM. And I would say none of these approaches are wrong. Um, I think where the interesting discussions come out on the web is folks just like any other programming language, to your point, Claire, is folks getting like, mine's the best. <laughs> and um, when really, again, just like any language, it's all context dependent. And it depends on the skills of your team. It depends on your goals. And it, I think more than anything, depends on the process that you have in terms of meeting the needs of your clients, meeting the needs of your users. And I really go back quite frequently to to assessing the skill set of the team, because that is such a huge impact on any selection in your tech stack. Um, personally, I really enjoyed Bootstrap. I think it did a lot of great things. I think it gave us a good foundation for moving these ideas forward on the web. Um, I liked that it was a utility framework, but had a bit of opinions. So it was kind of a middle ground between full utility and borderline design system. So I think the idea of like helping more developers understand how to componentize their CSS was a really positive thing that Bootstrap brought for a whole generation, basically, of developers at that time. 
Um, but I think we've kind of strayed from that. And I'm wondering, um, so I've been thinking about things like Tailwind and wondering why is that so popular? And recently I asked what parts of building a website folks tend to get stuck on. And to my surprise, most of the answers had to do with design. So that led me to kind of a theory that the reason why Tailwind in particular is so popular is because it's not only giving you the CSS, which makes folks grumpy if they're doing it themselves, but also it's giving you full-on designed opinions. So I would be interested in your opinion, Claire, on like frameworks and whatever else around like the process of creating CSS. Yeah. Um, so Bootstrap was, I actually got introduced to Bootstrap when we worked together uh, several years ago. Um, but I think that Bootstrap really helped me kind of develop those mental models of how to combine your CSS in a way that like is meaningful. Um, and also just write it in a way that like someone can come back to it and be like, oh, this makes sense. Or, you know, like, oh, I can extend off of this. Um, obviously, Bootstrap, you know, had a really great documentation system, which was fantastic. But like you said, I, I, I feel like the web has, even though Bootstrap still exists, it kind of has moved on, or at least has diversified, which is great, because I remember a couple years ago, we were talking about how like everything looks like it was made with Bootstrap. And, and really, that was the case. I'm a big proponent of BEM. I'm a big proponent of, you know, really obviously doing what's best for your team and stuff. But, um, you know, having those strong opinions about, you know, like how you've come through um, with your CSS and stuff. So um, on the topic of tailwinds, tailwinds is one of those things. And I feel like this gets more, I, I feel like this gets stronger as, I become more of a seasoned developer is that like, I, you know, I become a curmudgeon. I'm just like, you know, but I think the tailwinds actually emulate something that a lot of people, um, especially if when they're learning CSS that they do once they figure out they can do it, which is open up the dev tools and, you know, start playing with properties, CSS properties on certain elements. And I think that, in a way, as long as you learn the tailwinds, like, you know, like the classes and stuff like that to do the certain things, you don't have to really, you know, remember like, uh, you know, all of the intricacies of, you know, margin, like margins, um, you know, four properties or three properties. The three properties always messes me up because I always, I always forget which one is combined, but you don't have to understand that with tailwinds. You just know, you know, you want margin top, whatever. And I actually got into an argument um, fairly recently about how tailwinds, how you should just learn CSS. And someone was like, well, you can just, once you find what you want, you can use the apply rule to essentially codify that. And I thought it was silly at first because it's like, well, wouldn't you just put those CSS properties into a class and call it good? Part of me wonders if it teaches CSS and part of me wonders if it teaches a specific language variety of CSS. And I would argue that the latter is not beneficial to someone learning CSS. But if someone learns CSS and then takes on Tailwinds, obviously their opinions can shift that way. And that's okay. But I feel like although it is a valuable learning tool, you shouldn't learn it in the context of Tailwinds. It's the same thing I hinted at in the first episode with React and JavaScript. 
you know, at the end of the day, you're writing JavaScript, but you're doing it within a React kind of like worldview. And that can skew some of the ways that you write things when you're not in a React worldview. So I guess that's my main concern with that stuff. Um, and uh, we also have it on our topic list, but CSS and JavaScript, which is kind of a nice segue, I feel like. Um, Steph, I haven't really had a lot of experience with CSS and JavaScript because I haven't really touched a lot of React things. But every time that I look at something that has CSS within JavaScript, especially like, and we'll get to this in another episode, um, but active CSS, which whew, solving problems is great. Um, but I will still have my opinions. Um, what are your thoughts on CSS and JavaScript stuff? So I do have experience with that. Um, I My previous position was creating a multi-platform design system with one flavor of that being React. And it was also highly based on material um, design system. We used Material UI as an underlying kind of to kickstart. And so with that, I sort of inherited the JSS flavor of CSS and JS. So as opposed to styled or emotion, I'm not quite sure. I didn't get to play with those other kinds. <laughs> um, and at first I was a little annoyed by it, but then I came to understand the benefit. So by the way, I'm not about to advocate for it, but I will discuss what the benefits I saw were. So one of those um, that annoyed me at first and I came to enjoy was the idea of scoped CSS. So while I am a little sad that it makes somebody who's trying to like look at something you've created and learn from it more difficult by having scoped CSS because it's crazy nonsensical um, class names and whatnot. <laughs> The benefit that that's providing, um, at least the JSS method, which is the only one I can speak of, of that class, is that it created dynamic style sheets for your particular view. And so once the app is hydrated, since we're talking about React, um, once the app is hydrated, you know, page to page, it's continually making dynamic style sheets. And I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure what that does for performance page to page. But when you're using that coupled with server-side rendering, then you know you do get a performance boost on the fact it's not loading your whole your whole class. The other thing that's unique about React though is that it it drives you to make everything component based, whether you're doing a design system or not. So um, I think all those methods, all those types of ways to do CSS and JS, they all drive you to do kind of that scoped classes idea. It just kind of renders it differently <laughs> depending on the the method you choose. So it's interesting. You don't end up writing it too much different. Like JSS actually borrows a lot of ideas from SAS. So like you could do nested selectors and then with material. And of course, it's all flowing through JavaScript first. So you can use JavaScript to mimic some of the things you also use in those other tools, such as various color functions and what have you. So also from the perspective of making sure that our design system, which was intended to be themable, um, just like Material is, we kept that idea, it, it offered some methods to ensure the colors maintained accessibility because we could check them using JavaScript. So there are some benefits for sure. I think, again, it, it, everything really goes back to your team and your goals and what kind of, what are you building? Are you building a website? Okay, well, that's still a big question, right? Are you building a static <laughs> website? Are you building a WordPress website? How many editors are getting in here? How many developers are getting in here? Who needs to know the styles? 
I think that's the biggest question when we're talking about CSS is who needs to know the styles? How easy does it need to be for somebody to pick up and create a new feature and with styles intact? And that's where the rise of things like design systems has come through. And that's why Bootstrap remains popular. I'm going to jump back there for half a second. <laughs> um, so back to Claire's point about making all sites look the same. The one thing about any system that you choose to use is that one of the potential pitfalls of choosing a path to design your CSS is feeling trapped that that is now the only way that you can design new features. And that traps developers sometimes. And it can hinder UX and UI improvements. So have you had any experience with your chosen CSS method feeling like it was hindering more than helping your team? Uh yeah, actually I have. Um, and it, it's funny that you ask this because it's actually happened with my preferred way of doing it, which is BAM. So, you know, we at a previous employer, we had a component that had a lot of different extensions on it and a lot of different, you know, elements within its block. And, uh, and I say extensions, I mean modifiers in BAM, its block element modifier. But you know, there there's a point when a CSS component can get too complex. And I feel like with BAM, it is a little harder to then try to figure out where the separation of responsibilities lies and where you should go about, like, you know, essentially making two components that kind of do similar things. And I, I, I guess I can't say that I felt trapped, but I definitely got into one of those situations where I'm not really sure where to go from here because it's one of those things where it's like my opinion could differ from someone else's on the teams and although that's not necessarily a bad thing when you get to that fork in the road it's not necessarily clear where to go from there you have two obvious choices i feel like one break up the component two don't break up the component but if you don't do it then then when are you going to do it and then it becomes a, an issue of tech debt so uh, to answer your question, I guess I don't really know if that's feeling trapped as much as it's feeling trapped based upon the conventions that were previously set out, I guess, if that makes sense. So, and I think that that all leverages, like, whether or not you have a strong relationship with your design team and, like, making sure that they're aware of what's already codified and, like, if they can utilize that instead to, like, make it less complicated. Yeah, I I would agree agree i think one of your points in there was essentially extending what the system has to offer for you i also realize we've been talking a lot in the context of teams and of course we have folks that are beginning css that are that are freelancing and you know then at that point you're having to make of course those decisions kind of solo or or wading through and trying to figure out the right decision and i think in a future episode we can maybe re reattack that at some point in the future, the idea of, you know, approaching learning. But I think we've covered a lot of really good topics today. We hope that something resonated with you and we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about our opinions with CSS and kind of just our experience, but we also recognize that we ha might have listeners that, you know, are all across the spectrum of experience. And so we want to extend you know, maybe you have questions, feel free to let us know at Word Wrap Show on Twitter. You know, we might address them in a future episode. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Word Wrap. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform or pick up the RSS feed on wordwrap.dev. 
You can also catch us as Word Rap Show on Twitter. Until next time.